last I looked, my my um, profile is still going on Airbnb with now $9 million income and over 8,000 reviews. Like it's just nuts. And if you can streamline everything through one process, bloody fantastic. But What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. going on STR Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Short-Term Rental Secrets. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and co-host, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's going on, E? What's up, brother? How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Again, I'm, I'm just living the dream, man. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I, again, and I say this every week, I, I need to move in the summer to summer. There's not as hot as Florida. We've been clocking high 90s with 90% humidity. Um, <laughs> You know what the worst part is? I still feel obligated in a sense to kind of dress professionally when I go meet people. And now between wearing a mask and having to wear a long sleeve shirt with 95 degrees and humidity, I literally have to change after every appointment because it looks like I went swimming after every single appointment. So it's not very pleasant. Um, So my wife lost me for all the extra laundry I've been making her do. Um, So yeah, I might have to move up there just to save my marriage so that I don't, you know, drive her crazy with all this laundry. But anyways, that's not really important. Um, I am beyond excited for this interview today. Um, I actually have my notebook out. So as you guys are getting ready, you might want to take out your notebook or whatever you do to take notes. Because I I have a feeling that this one is going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, without further ado, today's guest, Julie George, who I think we met two or three years ago, we were, we were panelists on a discussion for like a virtual short-term rental summit, which was really cool. And I was blown away by how she had scaled her business um, and just the way she operated. And it, I was really, really impressed. And so uh, Julie George, she is the author of The Million Dollar Host, and she's now a consultant in the short-term rental industry. Uh, she listed her first property on Airbnb in 2016, and less than three years later, she was managing 130 properties on Airbnb for property owners and had amassed in excess of $8 million in bookings. And in late 2019, she sold her property management business to a larger company. Uh, she is now considered one of the world's leading experts in short-term rentals and consults other budding entrepreneurs how to build a successful business in the sharing economy. So, Julie, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you. Hi, guys. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah. and Emmanuel, I can relate to you. The Florida weather is very similar to where I'm from. I live in Queensland, Australia, right near the Great Barrier Reef. And everybody sweats here too. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, you have way bigger and more terrifying animals there. So when it comes to this comparison, I'm actually very happy to be in Florida. Um, Which you mean, you see it like it's immediate. Like once you change your perspective, you immediately become grateful for where you are in life. 
I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in Australia with all the craziness you guys have out there. So I'm like, I'll take my heat and just my yeah, old our, people here in Florida, they're not as scary as they sound, you know? I think our crocodiles would outdo your alligators any day. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes. So, Julie, you want to kind of take us back to 2016 and basically how did you end up getting into the short-term rental game? Yeah, great question. Um, and one of my um, favorite stories to tell, to be honest, it's um, – you know, it's amazing to think it was only less than four years ago. I had a one-bedroom, fully furnished apartment. Uh, it, it became available. I had a tenant that had moved out after 10 years long-term leasing. And I thought, I wonder what all this fuss is about. What's this Airbnb phenomenon everybody's going on about? So I decided to put the Wi-Fi on, put some linen in and throw it up on Airbnb. Um, I went from $240 a week. Uh, so we're talking weekly rents in Australia, two forty a week to six hundred a week on Airbnb, and that was my aha moment. Where, as working as a real estate broker and working in a very flat real estate market, I thought there's got to be opportunity here for other investors wanting a better return. Short-term rental property management business was born. Mm. I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. from that point. You got your first listing up and running. You were blown away by the amount of cash flow that it generated. Mm -hmm. What was the next step for you? Did you start reaching out to some of your previous clients or were you kind of walk yeah. us through that process? Well, and this is another exciting story. So I guess the idea was churning in my head, but I guess what we're all facing is how do we get the next property? And so as a broker, I was showing a lot of investors through these properties and they were all looking for cash flow positive properties. Now, I tried not to laugh out loud when they said that because there just weren't any. But I said, look, let's go and find, there was one lady in particular. She'd flown up from Sydney. She was coming to look at the cheap real estate in my market, um, which it is very cheap. I mean, a one bedroom property you could purchase for about $100,000. So the properties were pretty cheap. She wanted one that was going to make her instant cash flow. I said to her, let's go have a look at six of them. Choose the one that you like the best, the one that you would like to holiday in yourself, uh, because that's part of the bonus of owning these properties, of course. And then I said to her, all right, buy this property. Let me furnish it for you. And I'm going to charge you a fee for that. Let me uh, manage it for you. And I'm going to charge you another fee for that. And of course, I'm going to collect the commission on the sale. So cha-ching, 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 boom. There's a uh, property on my prop portfolio. And this woman was so impressed with the returns on that property through Airbnb. She actually called me only six months later and said, do it again. Mm. Yeah, I that's love that. Best. Yeah. And uh, I love that story because that's that's how I view my business, right? And and it's very similar. I, I'm also a licensed real estate agent. I'm not quite a broker yet, but licensed agent. I have a property management business. Right. So to me is that whole vertically integrated business that mm. it's so possible with this whole like shared economy that we're kind of living through now. Cause you can kind of like, you know, like, and then you can put your car on Turo and rent the car on Turo. So you're renting them the place plus the car. So it, it, it literally, you can do everything at once. Um, so did you have a hard time convincing your investors about doing the Airbnb model or was it as simple as like, I cash flow now. This is all I have to show you. Come over to the dark side, or or how uh, did this work? 
It did take a little bit of convincing in the beginning, Emmanuel, to be honest. Um, I guess what I did, and this is one of the tips that I give anybody that's looking to start off in this business, is to really establish yourself as being the guru, the Airbnb expert, the short-term rental king or queen of your area. Now, to do that and to establish that credibility and to get that... um, that recognition from the locals. I wrote a lot of articles for magazine. Well, actually when I say a lot, I only wrote four, four articles from magazine, glossy magazine, put together a really good website, got some great business cards, just really gave that professional image and, uh, and, and got out there and promoted like that. I, once I had uh, three or four properties on board and I got those testimonials and that, and that proven income statement and was able to show the transaction history and go, Hey, Hey, look at this. Um, then the business started rolling in even more, but it was, it was a bit tricky to start off with, but Hey, there's all fun and games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> one thing I, I definitely want to talk about because I find that there's, it's almost like three different types of short-term rental hosts or managers, right? The folks that have like one or two listings and they just making a little side income and that's totally fine. And then there's like the five to call it 20. And then there's the folks that go from 20 up to hundreds of properties, right? There's and at each phase of that, I feel like the business kind of shifts. So if you kind of want to walk us through that and when you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, I need to start building teams and processes and systems if I want to keep scaling like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I learned the hard way. I mean, I, I even though it was only four years ago, there wasn't a lot of assistance out there. There wasn't a lot of guidance or mentorship like there is now. Um, so I, I basically went along the lines of setting, um, well, I always wanted to work on my business, not in it, because I knew that that was the secret to success. I didn't want to get bogged down in a, a job that I was creating for myself. So as soon as I got to 10 properties that I had listed, and I was doing a, making a lot of beds every day. Um, and I'm not a good cleaner. I'm terrible at making beds, let me tell you. I then hired somebody who was really good at that sort of stuff. So I was able to keep going out marketing, finding new properties, while somebody else did the labor intensive, making the beds, meeting the guests. And it was probably then that I started recruiting. So for every 10 properties, I would put on what I called a property host. And... Um, and I'll go, I can go into more detail on those people if you like, but that then I got to the point where I had a, probably about 50 properties and then I started looking to employ administration staff. So I ended up, uh, when I um, sold the business, when I had 130 properties, I ended up having two area managers and, there, uh, and a, a receptionist and admin staff and then I had 14 property hosts. So I guess... If you can think every 10 properties or so, another person coming on. Mm. Okay. So in your, inter- in your, we sent everybody this little thing of questions, right? So in there you had, you had 14 contractors. So those are your property hosts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for those like people that want to need and greedy, how, how were they, were they compensated on a salary, on a percentage of your reservations? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here, and my biggest issue, guys, is that I'm going to overshare. So pens and paper at the ready because here's the numbers and here's the breakdown. So I was charging out, so first I've got to let you know what I was charging my property owners. So I was charging them 25% of the Airbnb payout. 
Now, that is really important, the word, the payout, because we all know what Airbnb or Booking.com or those those uh, companies are like. You just never know how much they're going to charge and what they're going to take. So whatever money we took in, we took 25%. My property hosts, the contractors that I took on, I gave those people 6% plus the full cleaning fee. So we were collecting the full cleaning fee from the guests, 25% from the owner. I was paying out 6% plus the cleaning fee. So at any one time, I could quickly calculate that at 19% coming in was mine and mine to run the business, uh, get the consumables like the tea, coffee, waters, that type of thing, toilet paper, short supply these days. Um, but uh, but it, it was a very easy equation um, and it wasn't one that came up easily. I actually started off paying at 8% and I worked that 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 math didn't quite work out. So I ended up having to, to recalculate and bring that to 6% to the mm. contractors. I like that. I like giving them a piece of the action um, because it, it keeps everybody in alignment with the, the growth and the profitability of the business. Right. It, it really gave them ownership. It, um, and how I structured the business was that they, as contractors, were building up a business under my umbrella. So I was seen, especially in the media and as a public relations um, side of things for my, lo- my local community, I was seen to be mentoring these small businesses, building up their short-term rental business under, under my business, which was called Host My Home. Uh, and we got some great press just because we were actually helping these people build their own businesses. Um, those guys, my contract was with those people. Some of them had up to 23 properties. Um, they were earning a hell of a lot of money. I nearly swore on your show, sorry. Um, but it was super exciting. So they were earning like two grand to four grand a week uh, out of what we were bringing in. Some of them would then employ cleaners underneath them because once they had done, a, you know, the, the novelty of cleaning those toilets wears off for everybody. So they would then employ others. Uh, but my contract was with them. So the buck stopped with them. If anything went wrong with the property, guest complaints, bad reviews, it was on those contractors. Mm. I love and, that. and how did you handle that? Like, let's say that they did get a bad review. Because um, that's funny. That's something that we never talked about because we've never got mm-hmm. to... I guess that had quite so many units. Um, so what was, was there like a one and out or like strike one, strike two policies or how did you yeah. handle that? Well, it that? was really, um, I guess I was able to really monitor their performance on the guest reviews coming in. You know, we, we would always say to them, we wanted four stars or better. Um, yeah. If we consistently saw that there was an issue that they weren't showing up on time because I actually got them to meet and greet in person as well, which is very different to a lot of other property management companies. Mm -hmm. But that's where a lot of property owners were happy to give me the properties because I was eyeballing the guests every time. Well, not me, but my, my co-hosts were. Um, So they, I guess once we, if we got reviews saying, look, the host didn't show up on time. We don't know where they are. I would actually say, I would, I don't like the term punish, but I would actually take that property from their portfolio and until they could show me that they were able to cope with that workload, had a good business plan in place, it wouldn't be until then that I would replace that. But if they had a really good system in place and they really wanted to expand their business, 
and they could cope with that work, they were getting good reviews, I would pile on the properties. And that's how one girl, she was working for me, had 23 properties. I love that. I love that. Um, I had a question. I lost my train of thought because I was taking some notes on something else. Um, So for, oh, on the, on more of the call it account management side with the actual investors. Now, were you still handling that or did you put that on the co Yeah, I, I couldn't give up the financial side of it. I yeah. kind of like counting the money. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it does get addicting. I'm not going to lie. Oh, isn't it great? That transaction history when every day you pull it up and it was, you know, like to, Mark, when, when I got that $1 million income, man, I, I thought I was you know, pretty special. When I got to $8 million, holy hell. So, um, you know, I could have called this book multi-million dollar host, but anyway. That's 2.0. Um, we'll, we'll put out a revised copy. <laughs> but um, yes, so my main role within the business when we got to the when we got to the bigger scale was that I would look after all the finances. I would oversee the, well, we were running a trust account. So we were, as a real estate we were set up as a real estate agency in Australia. We've got very strict laws. If you're collecting money on behalf of anybody, you need to run a trust account. So I was the licensee for that. Uh, I would meet with the auditor every month or so. That was like poking a stick in my eye. Um, But, um, and I would do the hiring. I would do the firing, all the yucky stuff. Uh, But to be honest, I had three other ladies that worked in my office and they would all answer the phone as Julie. So we had everybody acting and operating through one Airbnb account as Julie. Um, and yeah, it was kind of it was kind of interesting. But uh, a lot of that single white female going on uh, in our office. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you um, at any point branch out away from Airbnb onto other platforms, or did you just stick to Airbnb? <laughs> I did, and it was bloody awful. Let me tell you. Um, I'm and I'm sorry to those people out there that love the Booking.coms or the HomeAways. Maybe it was just me, but I didn't have a, the greatest experience. And I found that by being 100% loyal to Airbnb, and trust me, I'm not working for them. I'm not getting kickbacks from them. In fact, I got a key ring from them last year. But <laughs> I know winner. Um, <laughs> But I just find that their system was without a doubt the best. And when it came to things like making claims, and I know that's a controversial issue, damages, that type of thing, we never lost out. We were we had systems in place, we had processes, we would always collect the money. It was just faultless. So I did venture out to try those other booking platforms and I quickly scurried back to my hundred percent Airbnb. Did you? Did yeah, you I want to let you. E, when Sorry, you Emmanuel, in a say second, that again. I just want to ask one quick question just to clarify because yeah. I found that most of my students, they're so anxious to get onto all of the platforms. And I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, Airbnb is, and again, they have their quirks, they're not perfect, but I will tell everybody that it is by far the easiest platform to use. Like, in most places, they pay the taxes for you. They collect the payments. They streamline everything. And it's it's like the training wheels. And for the first year and a half, two years of my business, I wasn't anywhere else. And I tell my students, I'm like, keep it simple. 
Like yeah. you're making money. Don't overcomplicate it. Cause then you got to add, once I got out on the other ones, I needed staff to make sure that all the payments were going through and I had to do different screening procedures and rental agreements. And I'll, it, it just adds layers of complication. So I, totally I just wanted agree. to highlight that. <laughs> totally agree with you. And especially with um, the one thing I've noticed in the COVID time, you know, Airbnb didn't handle things so great. And I'm, I'm the first to admit that. However, they were very, very fair with the guests. Now, at the end of the day, it's the guests who are going to make that choice. Where are they going to make their next booking? They're going to go back to Airbnb. So as much as it frustrated a few hosts as well with what Airbnb did over the COVID times cancellations, just keep that in mind, guys, that, you know, it's at the end of the day, they're going to have the people coming to them. They're the number one people, you know, people refer to it as an Airbnb business. It's a short-term rental business, but you can't beat that. And, uh, you know, they've been amazing to me. So, yeah, jump on board, master that one platform before you want to go and branch into others. Um, my question kind of off of that was whatever or not you had your own website or if your own website just mm. redirected them through Airbnb. Yeah, I did have my own website, but it was any marketing like that with the website was always um, promoted towards property owners um, I was never targeting guests. And if people did find my website and they, I did have all the properties listed on there, but it would always link back to my Airbnb um, booking platform. So, mm -hmm. so if they did want to make a booking, it, I, I encouraged it through Airbnb. Occasionally I just took direct bookings, but it just, it didn't sit a hundred percent right with me. Uh, there wasn't the comfort level knowing that the host guarantee was there uh, mm -hmm. the you know you couldn't get reviews on your platform i mean I, last i looked my my um, profile is still going on airbnb with now 9 million dollars income and over 8000 reviews like it's just nuts and if you can streamline everything through one process bloody fantastic but my business model it was any marketing i was doing was always to property owners to say come on board so, you know, occasionally I'd get a disgruntled guest who might give me a bad Google review. <laughs> you know what? That was the best thing ever because they would say how picky we were and how we demanded uh, that they pay money for a towel that had tanner on it or whatever it might be. Property owners love that. They looked at that Google review and went, wow, Julie will look after my property if she's going to chase the guests down like this. So, you know, it's, it's all in the way that you structure your business model. Mm. love that um this is gonna be more of a like specific question to where i am right in my life um but i'm like hey i might as well just i'm gonna take advantage right um so you have in here <clears throat> in your questions that you had a special way of um approaching other real estate brokers mm. can you kind of talk about that because <clears throat> I know I spoke to one of my, uh, Mike's guys last week and what he was talking about was the hardship that he was experiencing getting other real estate agents, professionals to actually work with him. Mm. So maybe you can enlighten as to how mm. you reframe that conversation in a way that it was, I think you said it was an advantage to them rather than you competing against them. Exactly. You've just got to get your mindset right. If When you're approaching these real estate agents, you can't be seen to be the competition. You've got to be complementing their, their business. What mm -hmm. can you do for them? And that's what you've got to go in with, with that mindset. What can I do to, 
for you, Mr. Real Estate Broker, to make your life easier. Now, I would approach property. Uh, if I saw a property that was on the market, maybe you know, sitting there for six months, fully furnished, the ideal holiday home, I would approach that broker and say, look, how about I do up an appraisal for you, a report showing the income that can be made through short-term rentals for this property. And so with that, I created a sales tool for that broker to go out to property investors and be able to um, hopefully sell the property. Secondly, I would say to them, would you like to approach the property owner about listing the property on Airbnb or short-term rentals while it is for sale? Make some money while it's for sale. We will clean the property on a regular basis. Now that's where their eyes really lit up. We will clean it. We will keep it um, we will get it ready for open homes. We will have it sparkling and, and, and smelling beautiful for inspections. Uh, and hopefully with that investment, like the, the investors will see the income flowing in and they're going to be able to, you know, really think that this might be a great opportunity to buy a property, live in it part-time. And especially where I live up near the Great Barrier Reef, a lot of people would buy properties as holiday homes, vacation rentals that, they would only come and stay in for a few weeks or a month or so for the year. The rest of the time, we would look after it for them. So um, I guess it's all in the approach to the real estate agents, but go in guys, think about how you can help them. And I promise you that thought process and that mindset will bring back the work tenfold. Mm, I love that. And did you, that. did you offer any commissions to them for any deals that you closed or any no. clients that you picked up? So that was something I was really considering in the beginning to, you know, I, th I thought I'd have to throw out these finders fees or kickbacks. Um, in the end, I didn't. I didn't at all. All I said to them was if these people, if they come to me for, um, on -site, for the management of their property, if they want to sell, I will refer back to you. But of course, we all know as soon as you earn so much money on short-term rentals, you're not wanting to sell. So unfortunately, I didn't get many back. But it was just a win-win. The brokers who uh, were not offering long-term leases themselves, they were the ones that I really approached because they didn't have a vested interest in keeping the management. So it becomes a referral-based business as you and I have talked about offline several times where again, once you start to get results for a couple clients, uh, it just snowballs. And you, you said something that I wanna highlight because I, I tell my students this as well, kind of identifying who your ideal property owner is. And at the beginning, you mentioned that you were targeting investors. And that's the way that I built my business quickly because you have <clears throat> vacation homeowners, which is fine. You can make money with them as well. Then you have investors like property investors that are looking for returns. Mm -hmm. Now, when you generate a return for an investor, they're already thinking, how can I get the next property? And they know other investors that are constantly buying property. So yeah. when you focus on that niche, they may own two, three, four, ten 10 properties and all of their friends own two, three, four, ten 10 properties. So it can just multiply very quickly. Yeah, that's right. So that was my number one target group, uh, investors. Number two, and this was early on in, in the piece, so I'm not sure if I would go this route again, but I was looking at homeowners who were going on extended holidays and wanting to do something with their property. Um, I remember there was one particular couple who, and I probably, I honestly probably would never take this property 
again now because it was pretty hard work. But <laughs> at the time, it was a Queenslander house, which is a wooden house. Um, it was it attracted a lot of dust. It attracted a lot of insects. A lot of wildlife uh, would come in the doors. Uh, these people were going to Africa for a, a six-month break. I think they viewed my business as a bit of a, a babysitting sort of business where I'd be able to check their mail, keep the security of the place. Um, you know, we started making them $700 a week and it got to the point where their, their property was so unique and it was such a bizarre property that people wanted to come and stay in the rainforest and see the green frogs and look at the beautiful butterflies and, uh, you know, scary snakes. Um, but, you know, I ended up having to contact them in Africa and say, keep traveling because I've got too many bookings. You can't come back yet. So, uh, you know, and it was just such a win-win situation. So I look back on some of the, the ways that we've impacted on people's lives, homeowners that we were able to help uh, make some money on their own while they took a vacation, um, hosts. You know, you could offer relief hosting services, and that's something that we did a lot over the Christmas break. There are a lot of property hosts out there that need a break themselves. Guys, you know, put out a, a, a Facebook post saying that you're able to co-host while someone goes on holidays. So, but investors are always going to be the winner because they are the quickest ones to scale up with for sure. Mm. So what does the typical day of a now kind of like worldwide Airbnb consultant right because would, would you say that that's what you're because you're not you're not a host anymore right would you still consider no, yourself a host okay yeah, so what I, does your what does your day look like like what well i can tell you today uh it's uh 3 a.m in australia at the moment but that's mm -hmm. the best time to talk to you guys so uh so i'll just keep my eyes open but so today's not looking great emmanuel but Hence, say yesterday, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's a lot of media interviews. It's a lot of Zoom meetings one-on-one. -on -one. Prior to COVID, I was doing a lot of uh, public speaking at conferences, getting up and talking to maybe groups of real estate agents wanting to diversify their businesses and just explaining how they could introduce short-term rentals into their business. Um, so it's a lot of that type of thing. Uh, I, I, I actually sell a lot of forms and documents and all the stuff that I used in my business, like appointment forms for property owners or uh, to employ people or contractors, I've got those on my website. So I do a lot of that sort of thing as well. Mm. But um, I just get a real kick now out of seeing other people succeed. And it's, you know, this morning I was talking to somebody who has only got one property but we were talking about how to get more. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether we do business together or not, I still want to stay in touch with them in six months. I want to see how they're going. I just want to see how they, you know, how, yeah. how it changes their lives. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love that because that's kind of how Mike and I feel and kind of the whole point of this is, is kind of to give it back and to kind of empower people. Um, you're familiar with Mike and like how he went from like kind of creating this whole, enterprise to retire everybody and now everybody's working and everybody's happy and he gets to go play golf with his kid and, and you know that's like the the real stuff right like the important stuff um so was this your idea at the beginning like so as soon as 2016 happened and as soon as you went from making what was it 250 dollars to 600 dollars a week yeah <laughs> did you go like did you have like a 
e-myth type of moment that you're like, okay, I got to create a business so I can sell it in no, three to four years? No, it's, um, it's funny that you ask that because, uh, you know, it's, it blows me away even where I am now. Uh, and thank goodness I sold the business six months before COVID hit. Maybe I could be a fortune teller now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time. But no, I, to be honest, Manuel, I, my first goal was to be able to make myself enough money to, uh, to give up my day job as a broker um, because there, it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't lighting my fire, sitting in open houses with nobody coming through. It wasn't my idea of fun. So that was my mm-hmm. first goal. Second goal was to make that million dollars. That was my target. Once I hit the million, I wrote the book about it because I was getting asked the same stories over and over again. How did you do it? What did you do? What's the background? What are your secrets? I wrote it all down. Mm-hmm. This th- the book came out, went bestseller. And then I guess it attracted a lot of people coming to me saying, look, I'd like to buy your business. And my light bulb went off then and thought, you know what? I've actually, I think I've done my, um, my time uh, managing properties because it is stressful. Um, anybody who says that this business isn't and it's 24 seven, even if you are the owner and you've got a manager in place, you are still responsible for a hell of a lot of properties, a hell of a lot of guests. You know, one uh, at any one night, I could have had 500 guests that I was responsible for because they were staying in Julie's Airbnb in Cairns. So it was nice to be able to think that I could remove that stress from my life and, and to be able to have that freedom to travel, to do whatever I want and to pay off all my mortgages was a bit of a bonus as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. so no, it kind of was an evolving dream. And I guess I'm at that point now where I think what's next. And for me, I guess my next step is helping others. You know, when I can travel again, I'm going to be over your way. Um, I got there twice last year to the States. Um, I'll do a lot more travel and uh, yeah, see if I can, you know, hold somebody's hand and, and help them do the, exactly what I did. Yeah, uh, that's that. lovely. I love that. One, one thing I want to bring up r- real quick, because <clears throat> I remember when I started this, this business, uh, a lot of my mentors were in traditional real estate investing. And they were like, that's cool. You're making cash, but you're not building any equity. And I was like, well, you don't understand how business works then. Because if you build it the right way with the right systems you can sell your business. 100%. So maybe just real quick, we don't have to get into the details of transaction, but were there certain things that, what types of questions were these uh, business folks asking you? What were they looking for in your business to acquire it? Yeah, so really good question. And I guess this is where um, I always had that mindset that I was wanting to build a saleable asset. You know, there's no point in, just, I mean, the, the day-to-day cash flow is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But that big payday, when you can sell your business, holy moly, it's, uh, that's super exciting. So I guess um, a couple of things, a couple of tips as well. If anyone's looking to do this, I had every, all my properties under one profile. That was one thing. And a lot of people asked if that was risky. Well, it's not if you're doing the right thing. So everything under one profile. Um, lowering your expenses. Don't overcomplicate systems like we were saying before. Keep your software simple. I mean, I was only using a real estate software, uh, zero accounting and the Airbnb system. I wasn't using any third-party platforms or 
you know, pricing or, you know, that type of thing. I probably would now because I didn't even realize they existed, but, um, but keep your, keep your costs down, make sure you've got, um, you're not taking a huge risk as well. You know, I, I worry when I see a lot of these people that are doing the master leasing or arbitrage, you know, putting a lot of their money up, up and risking that. I don't, I don't personally would, you know, I, I like to hold on to my money. I don't like to share that with too many people. Um, but making sure that you've got good properties, you they're in really good condition and don't be afraid to get rid of properties and don't be afraid to get rid of certain property owners. Um, some of my greatest days in business was to, to break up with property owners and tell them, sorry, we cannot uh, manage your property anymore simply because they're a pain in the ass. Uh, but I um, hope none of them are watching. But, uh, Let's but, hope they are you know, so they know. <laughs> yeah, good. But we just, it was the whole concept of simplifying, streamlining the business so that when somebody came knocking or that the potential buyers came knocking, it was a simple transaction. They also wanted to ensure that I could stay on for at least six months. So that was part of the deal that when I sold my business to these, uh, this business, Home Time is the name of the company I sold to. Amazing company in Australia. Um, I actually had the choice between selling to Home Time and a real estate broker or an agency who came to me. The real estate agents wanted to pay me more money, but I didn't go with them because I wanted to make sure that my baby that I had um, developed my business was going to be looked after and, and developed and grown and I guess all the staff were going to be looked after. So I went with the other option. But, um, but yeah, I guess, guys, uh, when it comes down to it, the way that we value short-term rental businesses in Australia, so this is, this is where you get your notepads out again, folks, uh, is there's two ways of doing it. The real estate method was to look at the management income for the year and times that by, times that by 2.4. Sorry, I just had to make sure I was giving you the right numbers. So management income times by 2.4 for the yearly management income. Um, and then the short-term rental industry uh, way of valuing was your profit times three. So work out your profit times that by three. Somewhere in between those two numbers is your value of your business. So it's really important to always know the value of your business, especially, and have that exit plan in place because I guess, you know, what is your end goal? Um, you know, do you want to be making beds forever? Do you want to be managing people making beds forever? Or do you want to do something similar to what, you know, the three of us are doing and educate people or have that freedom, you know, that big payday when you can sell the business and then have the freedom to go off and, and play golf every day or whatever you want to do. So mm. it's cool. I love that. I don't well, think I've ever been this many notes in my life um to bring me back to school um actually before you say what you're gonna say mike i have just one last question um you brought up that you sold the business six months before covid and then covid is here now um we we don't have a silver ball or a magic ball whatever um uh, but where where do you see it and then from your side as to like an expert between experts how do you see the Airbnb game looking with COVID, yeah. right? Because here in the States, there has been limitations. So when they close down a city, they tend to mm -hmm. close down the Airbnbs that go with it, yeah. which to me and Mike doesn't really make sense. 
but I just wanted to know what your thoughts are and then where you see the the, yeah, the entire business. I mean, no one could have predicted what we're going through right now. And, and, and actually my hearts go out to all my friends in America that, uh, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of media coverage of what's going on over there. Um, and you know, it's just terrible. So, um, but I guess my advice, if you're in this industry and you are concerned, I think the best thing you can do at the moment is, is just hang on. Uh, you know, I was, we were speaking with um, Chip Connolly, who is Brian Chesky's mentor. I, he was on a call with, uh, with me and some other people last week. One of his pieces of advice at the moment was to scale down at the moment so that you can scale up when COVID sort of, rel, you know, relinquishes. So, and what I mean by that is if you need to let some properties go at the moment, or if you need to just let some contractors go at the moment, which is heartbreaking, do it, but then have a plan in action that when things are looking in, that travel's going to increase, people are going to come back to your area, jump back in. I think that this, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that this situation is going to clear the decks of a lot of um, maybe operators that weren't so solid in the first place. So a lot of people that, uh, you know, are overpricing themselves or, you know, just it's going to clear the decks. It's going to return the prices to where they should be um, on the short-term rental uh, nightly rates. Uh, and I just, I honestly think it's, you know, people are going to choose short-term rentals over maybe hotels at the moment. So, you know, when, when this all changes, because they're going to, they're going to want their own kitchen, maybe to cook their own meals, that type of thing. So um, please don't be scared. I, this is a terrible situation that we're going through at the moment, but I can see a really bright future ahead of us. Hmm. I'm sure. so glad that you said that because that has been my wishful thinking this whole time. So now I'll take it as well because you said it. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> if Julie said it, it must be true. So it's perfect. Awesome. Yeah, and I think it's going to be ge geography by geography. I know the states that we operate in, you know, we've been able to open all the way back up and our bookings have shot through the roof because people have been cooped up and they're like, I just need to, I want to get out of the house, you know? Um, so again, I think if, like you said, if you're committed and you're, you're in it for the long haul, you get creative, right? Like you adjust your marketing if things shift and you, and you find a way to make it work. You always do. Um, but anyway, so the, the last question that we ask everybody, and first off, thank you for hopping on at two 30 in the morning with us and sharing two pages of notes with me here. Um, and with our listeners, this has been amazing. Uh, but the last question we ask is what is your number one best secret for success as a short-term rental operator? Oh, I saved the best question for last. Um, <laughs> I think not to overthink it. Uh, really just, you know, don't hesitate. Just go out there, get that first property that you, um, that first property is always going to be the hardest to get. Once you've got it, you're going to figure it out. You're going to make mistakes. Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, just get in there, have a go, believe in yourself because you know, you've got a skill. If you're thinking to do this, you've obviously, you love hospitality, get in there, smile your way through any mistakes and yeah. And just enjoy the ride because it is an awesome way of starting your own little business. Uh, tell the boss to go to buggery. You're not coming back to work and yeah, enjoy it. Build up that saleable asset, 
sell it, come and visit me in Australia and we'll have cocktails on the beach. Cheers. I love it. I love it. Cheers so folks, to that. Uh, there's been absolute gold on this show today. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, Julie, and grab a copy of your book and, and keep in touch, where's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I've got a website, milliondollarhost.com.au. The book is available on Amazon, on all leading bookstores online. Uh, And look look me up on LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, happy Happy to friend everybody because you just never know when I need to come to Florida or, you know, come and hang out in the cool new hotel of Mike's. So, yeah, happy to make friends and connections. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This was amazing. Anytime. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks again, Julie. Thank you, Julie.